You are listening to the number one sports parents podcast in the Mid-Atlantic region. You are listening to the number one sports parents podcast in the Mid-Atlantic region. Hey, it's the Parents Coach Parents Network. You are listening to the number one sports parents podcast in the Mid-Atlantic region. Hey, it's the Parents Coach Parents Network. Welcome to the Parents Coaching Parents Network with your host, M.H. Scott. This is a one-hour interactive talk show. We'll talk college recruiting, athletic scholarships, and much more. Here's your host, M.H. Scott. Another Parents for the Parents Network show. I am your host, M.H. Scott. And folks, you know, I say it week in and week out that I have that conversation that you really and truly want to be involved in. But as I thought about it this afternoon and whether or not I was going to put that line on this particular show, nah. I think I want you just to really listen and absorb some information today. But if at any time you want to join in on the conversation, you can always reach us at 516-453-9932. Let me say that number again, 516-453-9932. Because this afternoon, folks, you may have heard him one time before or came in and did just a little short uh, welcome uh, once before when we uh, had the Parents Culture Parents Network show on air. But since then, I decided, hey, we need to bring him on for a full hour. We need to have him on to just give us some insight on what we're being involved in, what we have gotten involved in as far as this concern when we talk about sports parenting. Today's guest, folks, is Mr. Rick Wolf, Coach Rick Wolf. But before I go into any great details, you can find Rick every Sunday morning at 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time on WFAM, F-A-N, excuse me, out of New York. Uh, and, and the show that he called the Sports Edge. But that show, folks, I, I've, I've been eager to get involved in that conversation each and every Sunday morning, but I've held off because I didn't want to seem like I'm just sitting there stalking the station. But the, the conversations are so in-depth. The conversations are the conversations that we have here on the Parents Coach and Parents Network, but they go to another level because he brings in such great experts. And those experts just share some insight with you that, Hey, I'm telling you, oftentimes the stuff that we all need to hear on a regular basis, that way we're more in tune with being supportive of our children as they're involved in this game of sports. You know, like I like to put out there all the time, we must be our child's biggest advocate. That's not an optional thing. That's something that we have to do. But before we bring in our guest, folks, I'm going to go ahead and run a couple of, you know, my favorite clips. I like to run these clips all the time. 
just to uh, just to get you involved in the conversation. So we'll be right back. I'm going to step away for a hot second, a hot second, and uh, we'll come right back and bring up our guest, Coach Rick Wolf. <laughs> Student of the game, have people front and talk about me, but that ain't no thing. See, I know I would make it with the knowledge in my brain, and if I succeed with that, then be ball would do the same. I can't complain the situation that I'm in. Meeting different connects that turn out to be my friends. I know it'll turn out great when my four years come to an end, and when the ball starts bouncing, I'm out to pull my out the pen. But I'm hate dead. Playing ball is just a small part. With this education, I have a great start. And if you work hard for the teachers, they might be showing love in the stands or in the beaches. I'm only preaching. I'm just trying to spit knowledge and the knowledge opportunities at your disposal when you get to college. I use ball as a tool. Now every day I'm living and I'm making smart clues. That's how I do. You heard that young man. He said he's making smart cool. He's making smart cool. You know, that's probably the only rap song that I will probably ever play on this station, on this particular show, because that uh, song itself has a message to all my athletes out there, to all of my athletes out there, young and old, to be able to make smart cool. You know, that's that education that you get. Um, and, and just to give you some more insight on that particular young man, that is Mr. Keith Wright. Keith played his basketball career at the University of Harvard. Yes, I did say the University of Harvard. Uh, Keith played there, I want to say, from 2007 to 2011. And Keith is still playing overseas. Uh, from time to time, you'll see Keith pop up back here in the United States and doing some things and and wherever he's located at at the time. But uh, he's still playing his game over there overseas. But he is a graduate of the University of Harvard. And, uh, folks, I'm so proud of that young man because he understood the importance of not just putting that game as first and foremost, but getting a great education a great education. And speaking of great education, folks, I got to bring up uh, my guest, who I also believe, if I'm not mistaken, is also a uh, alum of the prestigious Harvard. If, if I'm not mistaken, and hopefully he can correct me if I'm wrong, um, um, but I'm going to bring up Coach Rick Wolf. And uh, like I said, Rick has been involved in this sports parenting thing for a number of years of sports psychology, but I'm going to let him tell us a little bit more about himself and um, how long has he been involved in sports parenting. Rick, are you with us? I sure am, uh, and uh, thank you for the very kind words, Machen. Yes, I, I, uh, I am a graduate of Harvard, uh, <laughs> although I graduated a few years before Keith did. <laughs> yeah, just a few, I, I just a few, few years on yeah. him. But yes, sir. I, I, will say, 
I when I when I was um when I was going through Harvard and I was there in the seventies, um I was a psychology major and, and uh I was always one of those my sport uh was baseball. And I I really always wanted to find out I kept hearing for such a long time that uh that baseball uh is a, such a mental sport, uh that they had to have the physical skills to be sure. But when you get to the higher echelons, the higher levels, it really becomes a game of, of mental psychology. And when I went through college, and again, this is a long time ago, long before the, the Internet was invented, uh, I remember spending countless hours going through the libraries at Harvard trying to find any kind of books or articles about uh, the mental side of sports. And, and trust me, found very, very few. And I, that struck me as curious. And so I started to, to write some papers uh, and did some research. One thing led to another. And eventually I, I was drafted uh, in baseball by the uh, Detroit Tigers after my uh, junior year. And I signed, played a few years in the minors. But uh, my, my, my interest in sports psychology stayed with me and, and finally, I was a, a head baseball coach at a Division II school. Uh, we were nationally ranked. I was at Mercy College in, in, uh, right outside a suburb of uh, New York City. Uh, I got my graduate degree in psychology, again, focusing on sports psychology. And eventually, I found my way to become the first uh, sports psychology coach for the uh, Cleveland Indians. This is back in the 1990s. Uh, and, and, again, by that point, more and more young athletes were getting involved in the psychology of sports. And I did that for a number of years. That's back, back when the Indians were really uh, the premier uh, hitting team uh, in, in the major leagues. In any event, I remember very distinctly, because at that point, my own kids, my wife and I had, had three children. But in the early 90s, mid-90s, our own kids were just starting out in youth sports. And I found that. Uh, there was, again, there was very little information about about sports parenting, youth sports, whatever. I remember one day going through spring training with the Cleveland Indians, and I just did a sort of a, for lack of a better term, I sort of a, an impromptu kind of a survey, and went around and talked to a, a number of the big league ball players. Made no difference where they grew up, whether it was in Florida or Texas or California or Kansas. But every ball player I spoke to talked about the fact that they had witnessed parents who were out of control, parents who were pushy, uh, coaches who didn't have their priorities in order. So it was pretty clear to me that sports parenting was, was something that was really out of kilter. And, and the fact is I got involved in it. I started to write articles for uh, Sports Illustrated for a number of years about youth sports. Uh, and eventually I found my way to WFAN Sports Radio, where they hired me to do this weekly show on sports parenting. But it became very clear to me early on during that show. And I've done that show now for well over 20 years, MH, and, and I, I wow. realized early on it, it's not so much about just teaching five- and six-year-olds about sportsmanship, but it gets very, very complicated, recruiting, uh, knowing – whether a kid should be should you have your son or daughter be held back a year in school so they they can get an extra year of maturity uh, before they're recruited, 
Or what about uh, travel and club teams? What about AAU ball? What about uh, college coaches? What kind of questions parents should ask coaches when they're, they come recruiting? You know, all the things that you are, you've been writing about and talking about, and obviously you've had great success with your son. The fact is, I was involved doing that stuff for the last 25 years, and it never gets any easier. It just gets more and more complicated. And that point, I'll, I'll stop talking, but that's, that's my that's my background as to how I got into sports parenting. And, and you are so true when you talk about it, it becomes more and more complicated. And, you know, as oh. you think of the, the year that we went through this pandemic and all the confusion and uncertainties and, you know, having to uh, insert the, the COVID, the pandemic protocol or the COVID protocol into everything that you do related to sports, Man, you, you think that, okay, at some point in time, are we ever going to, you know, get it under control or get it to a point where it becomes, and I don't want to say the norm because the norm evidently wasn't the right picture, but I would say more of do we want to get to the point where it becomes second nature to as, as we have been doing previous years. But I want to commend you also on a phenomenal show this morning. You opened up a can of worms uh, with the show this morning. <laughs> and I'm telling you, and, and you know, I listen, folks, if, if you didn't get a chance, go back and listen to it. Uh, if you go to his website, and he'll give that to you here shortly, uh, you can listen to all his podcasts. And I'm telling you, if you listen to the show this morning, especially those of you and, and, and I want to call you out. And I, I want to just bring some attention to you. Those of you that's out there in these club teams, you know, and, and I know a lot is happening on the baseball side, but even more so, Rick, on the AAU side. And I, I know that mm-hmm. wasn't a big mm-hmm. topic this morning, but I probably could have jumped in there and, and shared up at least 15 minutes of what's going on on the AAU side as far as uh, – you know, coaches trying to do both sides of the fence. But that was a great topic this morning, and, and that's an added uh, confusion and complication <laughs> a level of complexity that has been added to what we are trying to do as parents involved in sports or parents that are supporting other parents that's involved in sports. Well, and so along you know, that, I say, yes, sir. Yeah, MH, I was going to say, for, for those who, uh, you know, didn't hear the show this morning, and yes, they can find the show on the podcast. It's on my website at uh, askcoachwolf.com. Wolf is spelled with uh, two Fs, uh, W-O-L-F-F, but askcoachwolf.com. You'll find the show, and, and what you're talking about is this growing concern of this perception of there's a conflict of interest when a high school coach, somebody who's employed by the school district to coach the, the basketball or, or soccer or baseball or softball team, whatever sport it may be, and then to make a few extra dollars in the, in the offseason, they, um, they coach the, their high school players, but they get paid for it. Now, you know, most, most parents are okay with this because they realize that coaches are just trying to help uh, further along their, their kid's career by working with them in the summertime, but it gets a little dice start to charge several thousand dollars for the coach's time, and there's a perception that maybe that's going to have some influence on the coach and who he or she's going to give more playing time to 
during the varsity season. It's a very complicated issue. Uh, a lot of school districts have have no way of trying to figure this out. State tech can't really figure it out. It's really a mess. And, um, yeah, and AAU, I mean, well, it, 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 the best way to do this, I think, is, is if, if you're going to be a basketball coach at a high school and you tell your athletic director or the school principal that you're also going to coach an AAU team in which you're going to have some of your own players on it, well, okay, but you ought to get that cleared up ahead of time and be totally transparent about it. Otherwise, you're going to have some parents being pretty angry at you if, if all of a sudden their kid's not, not playing for you on, their, on your AAU team. Yes, true, true. And, and Rick, I'm, I'm going to tell you just, just from some firsthand experience, I've seen uh, several coaches here in our area uh, mm-hmm. form their AAU teams. And when they formed that AAU team, that AAU team was from a selected group of students from their high school yeah. team. Yes. Yeah. A selected I mean, group. I, not everybody was I, able to make the AAU not, team yeah. a selected group. The problem, I, I got a report the other day, and I live in, in uh, outside New York City in, in, in Westchester County in, in New York State, and I got a report the other day where a high school varsity basketball coach at a pretty good high school, apparently the word uh, sort of was circulating. He's a new coach there. He was only on to ask certain select players from that high school to play on his summer league I don't know if it was an AAU team or, or club team, whatever, but he was not going to offer that invitation to all the kids uh, who play on his high school team. And I, I remember thinking to myself, man, that's, that's a surefire formula for disaster. Because some parents are going to be super pissed off that their kid didn't get asked to be on the, on the coach's summer league team. I'm telling you, it's, you're playing with fire. That That's so true there, sir. That's so true. And, you know, that, that's a conversation that we probably can go on and on and on uh, just exposing some of these uh, programs that's out there. And, you mm-hmm. know, just looking at stuff like that, that to me, and, and I'd like to hear your thoughts on how does that add value to being a positive sports parent? Well, I, I mean, let's take it both ways. And, again, you've been down this path before. You know what the issues are. If if you're the parent of a kid who's a talented athlete, and all of a sudden you find that your youngster is being asked to play on a on a club team, um, or you know during the the summertime or whatever it might be, but right away you're delighted and you're thrilled and you're excited because somebody somebody outside your family is saying we think that your kid's a pretty good athlete. Of course, the concern becomes okay. Well, if um, First of all, uh, how much is this going to cost? Because obviously, if you're going to be on an outside travel or club team, it's going to cost some money, AAU team, whatever it might be. Number two, uh, is this is this something that I want to do, or is it is this sort of an obligation? In other words, if the high school coach is a coach that's asking me, what if I say no? I don't want to spend all summer playing basketball. Uh, I want to go uh, and play lacrosse, or I want to play soccer. Is that gonna is that gonna not be a good thing to do in terms of uh, disappointing my high school basketball coach? Uh, number three, exactly. how about recruiters? Uh, the recruiters gonna say, why aren't you playing basketball? That's your sport. We want to look at you for a possible scholarship. 
I mean, there are a lot of complications here. I don't think there are any there aren't any real uh, straightforward uh, ground rules or rules to follow. But you got to understand there are a lot of con- concerns here. You, you are you are so true, Rick. So true. And and again. You know, that particular conversation alone can take up this whole hour that we're going to spend. But I, w- I want to move on to some other things. You know, I've, sure. I've been listening to a few other um, uh, sports talk shows. And these various sports talk shows um, claim to highlight high school sports, high school sports and the transition from high school to college. Because just in this area alone, and, and this is some of the local stations that, that pop up around here, but just in this area alone, oh, man, yeah. we, we've had a overwhelming number of athletes come out of this area. Michael Gadire, the Upton brothers, um, sure, you know, BJ and Justin. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, we, we've had the two young men, uh, Grant Holloway and Michael Cherry, just in the Olympics, uh, um, D'Angelo Hall. Uh, man, I can just go on and on with Mike Scott you know, <laughs> throwing my own. Uh, but I can <laughs> yes, go on and absolutely. on. Absolutely. The number, of, you know, the number of young men that that uh, came out of this area. But as I'm listening to some of these sports talk shows, and that's why I commend you on the show that you do every Sunday morning. I asked a question one day to uh, one of the hosts of one of these shows. Uh, when are you going to get to the conversation about? name, image, and likeness. And and I said, well, even if you don't go that deep into that conversation, I know there's still a whole bunch of uncertainties out there. You know, are you going to bring up anything talking about the NCAA, the uh, Supreme Court's ruling uh, over the NCAA versus Austin uh, decision? You know, whereas they they start talking about academic benefits that the the institutions can offer to the students and the NCAA can't put it, put a cap on it. In other words, the NCAA has no control over what the institutions can offer. I said, is that conversation ever going to come up on your high school sports talk show? Because these kids have folks sitting in there in their um, living room. I have coaches coming and sitting in their living rooms and coming and watching my games and talking to them at various times during the legal period of the, of the recruiting calendar. But if you don't know any of these things, name, image, and likeness, or uh, the Austin ruling, then you're putting yourself behind the power curve. And if you're not sharing this on a sports talk show, then what are you doing for these kids, really? So I'm I'm, I'm, going to pause right there. Go ahead. I was going to say, I mean, you've heard my show over the last several years. You know that the name, image, likeness uh, debate has been raging for some time now. And now that it's here, I mean, I mean, it, it is just there are very few things I can point to over the years that have been so such a sea change has changed the landscape more than the NIL uh, rulings with the NCAA. I mean, back when I was in college, I mean, you just didn't take a chance in trying to jeopardize your amateur status by getting involved with taking money. For anything at all, sure we all could have used a few extra bucks when we were in college to, you know, to have some walk around money. But you couldn't do that because the rules were, uh oh, you're gonna jeopardize your status as as an amateur player. Now I mean, look about your own son with Mike. I mean, suppose when he was in college, 
he could have had NIL and he could have done autograph signings and had endorsements and so on and so forth. Sure, he was on a full scholarship in college, but just can imagine how much extra money he could have had in his pocket by, by doing what the kids are, are being allowed to do now. It, it's such a – and honestly, we really don't know how this is going to play out anyhow. I mean, to your point with the high school uh, sports talk stations, can high school students do this? I mean, I don't is – that, is that legitimate? I mean, the NCAA only applies to college uh, student-athletes. Can high, can a, if you're a star high school quarterback or point guard or whatever or pitcher, can you do an endorsement deal? I, I guess you can because you're not going to jeopardize your amateur status, right? I mean, I, I don't have an answer right. to that, but boy, oh, boy, it really is changing everything. But, but it should be at least, to, in my opinion, it should be at least a, a conversation. Don't you yeah. think? Yes, I agree with that. You know, But, but I mean, the host I, of the show told me he, he had – he he had to brush up on. It. Well, uh, he actually he, told me he had to brush up on. It. As you know, the NCAA has ruled with an iron fist for you know many many years with college athletes. That's been the governing body. Now that's all changed. We know the NCAA is going to eventually fade from from its position of power uh, because it doesn't seem to have much much support anymore. But at the high school level, you know, it, there's something called the National Federation of High Schools, uh, which is based, mm-hmm. I believe, out in the, the Kansas City area. Um, and they're, they're not really an official governing body of, of high schools. It's just like a, sort of a, an overview kind of, uh, you know, a, a company or firm or organization. The local high schools, state by state, uh, are, each state has its own a physical education uh, body that governs policies of high school sports, whether it's in, you know, Virginia, New York State, uh, California, wherever it might be, and they have their own rules and regulations. But I, I haven't seen anything yet as to whether or not high school athletes on endorsement deals or on their doing autograph signings or whatever it might be, or doing social media. I, I would think if I had a promising kid in high school, I'd be thinking I should be able to do that. I just don't know. It's strange. Well, well here, here, here's an interesting point. Okay, you got a high school senior that is yep. just finished up his uh, college, uh, high school season, um, you know, ha- still looking and haven't decided on, you know, what school he's going to pick, about to go into that signing period or whatever, that national letter of intent. Uh, 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 period. Okay, but he's approached by someone to endorse or someone to be a spokesperson in his local hometown. Yep. You know where where is he stuck at? He, he's not really considered a high school athlete no more because he's played his last season. But he hasn't yep. signed with an institution, so he doesn't know their policy. I don't have an answer because we're all, it's all still being worked out. I mean, nobody, Yes. it, it seems to me every college is now, is, is jumping on this because, well, let me put it this way to you. If, if your son is a terrific athlete or daughter, doesn't have to be you know, male or female, and they are being recruited as a blue chip prospects. And what's going to happen here is very simply is, well, my kid, has been told that they're going to get a full scholarship to play uh, football 
at uh, at Alabama, okay? And then somebody else come. And by the way, they the coach the, the coach from, uh, from Alabama, Nick Saban says, by the way, we've arranged that you also will be making while you're a quarterback here on full scholarship, you'll also make five hundred thousand dollars from endorsement deals that we're going to work through in terms of our boosters and our supporters and so on and so forth. $500,000 exactly. a year. Okay. That's, mm-hmm. that's real money. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now the quarterback, you know, the star quarterback, he gets a phone call the next day. He's talking to Jim Harbaugh from the university of Michigan. He says, you're going to come to Michigan, play, be a quarterback in the big 10. You'll be a star. You'll be a stud. Uh, and the kid says, yeah, but I've already been offered a full ride by uh, coach Saban. He's offered me half a million dollars a year as an endorsement. Harbaugh says, I'll tell you what, we'll, we'll get you a million dollars in endorsements because we have a bigger fan base here with Michigan alums. I mean, this is, this is a bidding war like you're a free agent in sports. And that, exactly. that is going to happen. That has already happened. I mean, it's just, it's just big business. The idea of being a student, student athlete, not, not so much anymore. You're making too much money. I mean, come on now, the cl- going to class. Yeah, I go to class when I when I can. Right now, I'm too busy meeting with my my agent and my my accountant as to how much money I'm making here. As <laughs> and I, don't you think that's going to happen? I think it's going to happen already. So, it, you know, we're, we're laughing at it, but that that's the reality of it right now. That is the reality of it right now, and I believe that only strengthens our role as sports parents or folks that is involved in educating and ensuring that sports parents understand what they're getting into and what their children are getting into, you know, because situations like that. Go ahead. Let me take this one step further. We mentioned just a few minutes ago about how we don't know what high schools are going to, are going to react to all this. But let's say your kid is is a, a junior in high school and they're a stud, you know, basketball player. And you, you go to a, a local high school, and all of a sudden the, the, the kid gets an email or a text or a call from one of the um, a local uh, parochial high school. And that high school coach says, you know, if you come here and transfer to my school, I guarantee you you'll, you'll get $200,000 in endorsements as a senior at our high school. All you do is just transfer. <laughs> I mean, yes. That's at the yep. high school level, and that could very much happen. I don't see any reason right now why that can't happen. Uh, and to your point, I mean, some people have said, and I understand this, uh, a lot of colleges now are offering, are starting to offer courses to, to athletes saying, we're going to teach you what you need to know about being an entrepreneur because if you're going to get these, these NIL deal, deals, you need to be educated about finance and, and being an entrepreneur and how to figure out your taxes and so on and so forth. And that's all good. That's all good education because that's, that's the kind of stuff that kids can use, obviously, in the real world once they get out of college. But, I mean, it's just it's – just, it's, 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 unless parents, more than ever, parents need to really guide their kids as to what, what can happen and what might not happen. Mind you, you know, very few – as you will know, very, very few kids go from college sports into the pro level – so uh, you kids have to be prepared for the real world because at some point that college scholarship, you know, that ends and any NIL deals you have might come to a quick end as well. Now you're just a regular, you know, human being trying to trying to make some money in, in the real world. It's 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 you got to be prepared for that kind of stuff. 
So and and that point, that last point right there, Rick, is is, is like the end all be all to you know what your athlete is really and truly trying to do. Hopefully, by that time, they would have secured uh, their scholarship and on a path to a graduation, uh, which is another hot topic, just having a solid graduation rate, which is vitally, vitally, vitally important. Hey, Rick, we're going to step away for about two or three minutes, and then we're going to come back and uh, finish up this conversation. Folks, when we come back, you can join us at 516 453 I'm on with Coach Rick Wolf from the Sports Edge. And I'm telling you, this is the conversation that the doors are wide open, and I think you'll really get some out of it. Hey, we'll be right back. I need it. Hey, Sean. Let's go show I need it. Hey, Sean. Let's go show down. Hey, don't go anywhere. The Parents Coaching Parents Network with your host, M.H. Scott, will be back in just a few moments. And with the 43rd pick in the 2012 NBA Draft, the Atlanta Hawks select Mike Scott from the University of Virginia.
know the game, know the game, guide, assist, mentor, and educate or elevate the next generation of parents here on the Parents Culture Parents Network. That is our focus. Folks, that's what we aim to do each and every time we come in with that connection with that next generation of parents. Folks, we've been talking to Coach Rick Wolf from the Sports Ed, WFAN 66 out of New York. And uh, I'm telling you, Rick has been dropping some nuggets, some dimes, uh, some sliders and all that in on us uh, this afternoon. And uh, we're going to continue this conversation because the conversation was going so well. But I, I think I have a, uh, a a guest that popped in on us, Rick, uh, during the break that also want to add something or ask a few questions um, during our conversation. Hello, guests. Welcome to the Parents Club Parents Network. Hi there, Mike. Good to talk to you again. It's been better. <laughs> this is, this so is James. That is, uh, Rick, Rick, are you still with us? Yes, sir. Oh, okay. Well, she she came in and introduced herself as James Better, a.k.a. better known as uh, uh, Sports Mom University, where she also does a similar program to the Parents Coach Parents Network. Uh, did you have a question for us this morning there, uh, James Better? I'm going to ask my questions first because I'm selfish like that, and then I'll share some information. So I want to circle back to what you guys were talking about earlier in terms of what happens when your high school coach actually um, runs, uh, coaches an an AAU team. And here in our area, Tennessee, a lot, there are several high school coaches that I know in both public and private schools, and they actually run AAU programs. And so I want to ask a question of both of you. If you are a parent and you're trying to have balance and you don't want your kid to play one single sport all year long, what's the best way as a parent to tactfully say, no, this isn't something that I want my child to do? And, because I know that there, isn't, there are some parents who would fear retribution. So I'm just going to ask the experts here, what's a good way for a parent, especially a single mom who's listening, um, to say, to tell the coach, no, we won't um, play, even though we're talented in basketball or we just don't want to play, we need a break. Thoughts? Well, I'll let Rick leave that one off, Rick. Yeah, this is this is a, always a difficult and uh, delicate situation. Uh, let me answer this by first saying that uh, over the years in which I have studied the issue of sport specialization, uh, most most top top elite athletes they normally play because they're so talented from the time they are five or six years old. They do play a number of sports. They might play soccer in the fall or football, and then they play basketball in the winter and baseball or, or tennis, whatever they play, lacrosse in the spring. But very few of these elite top athletes, I'm talking about the best of the best, they don't normally specialize in one sport until they get to be usually maybe um, 14 or 15 years old. That seems to be the age when they're freshmen or sophomores in high school that they finally look around and say, you know, maybe the time has come to just focus on one sport because that's going to be my ticket to get a college scholarship and maybe have a chance to turn pro. So to, to, to your caller or to your listener's question, uh, by the time a kid is 
uh, say, you know, ninth to 10th grade. And now that the basketball coach is saying, well, look, I think you could be something special, but I need you to play in my AAU team. That's where it's time for a conversation face-to-face uh, with, with the coach. Uh, and the youngster can be there as well because it's uh, his or her life. And you say, look, uh, we, we really are flattered and thrilled and excited about having a chance to play uh, on your AAU team. But you understand that my youngster still is thinking about perhaps playing lacrosse in college or football or whatever more sport it might be. And we also are very sensitive to the fact that we don't want to have a chance where my youngster burns out from playing just uh, you know, one sport all the time. Burnout is a real concern. And honestly, sometimes the parent can just say to the coach, we'd like to have our youngster take, take a month off in the summer and not do anything. Just be a kid. Not, don't have to worry about going to practice. Not worry about competing all the time. Just have a chance to be a youngster to enjoy life. And, and that's become very, very commonplace and very frequent. But the coach has to, has to abide by the parents and the kids' wishes. Uh, if, if the coach is not going to listen to that, then you have to ask yourself as a parent of what's the right thing for your child. Is this coach who doesn't want to lose your kid from playing on the AAU team? Is that the kind of coach you want for your youngster? And I think, I think that that's something that the parents have to be being empowered to understand. You know, and I, I can't state it any better than that other than just telling the parent, telling the coach, no coach, uh, this is time for some uh, self-care for my athlete. He he needs to rest up a little bit. He has a few, uh, you know, hey, be tactfully about a few nicks and bruises that he needs to recover from, and uh, yep. maybe yep. at some other time he may decide to come on out. Yeah, I, I think uh, the parents, again, <laughs> if the parent is still the one who knows what's best for their youngster. And, and uh, you know, as you said, any athlete who is serious about their sport, I'm talking about you know, the top-of-the-line athletes here, they do need some time to not only, as you said, MH, not just to physically rehabilitate and, and to basically let their bodies recuperate from the grind of playing all year round, but also to let them mentally, to give them a time off, just to relax and, and, and understand that it's supposed to be about having fun it's supposed to be about giving you a chance to your body and your mind, a chance to just sort of relax a bit. Because, you know, let's face it, we forget when kids are playing competitive sports, they are competing all the time. And that's really, really hard to ask of a 10 or 12 or 14 or 16. We've got to give them a break. And sometimes the parent has to say to the coach, look, we're flattered, we're thrilled. But the fact is we think at this juncture uh, our youngster really needs some time off. And, and uh, I appreciate you know, you understanding that? We'll come back in the fall. We'll talk again. But right now, he or she needs some time off. And that, again, that happens a lot more than people think it does. It, it, it's a very commonplace kind of situation. Well, well, Rick, you, you know, you opened up the door to to another part of the conversation. I want to move on from uh, Miss Cleveland. Yep. If, if you can hang in there with us, we we're going to shift. Uh, slightly to another conversation. I know you may have a question or two that you still have lingering. I'm, I'm going to let you tag that on the end. But I, I want to talk about mental health uh, because yep. oftentimes we overlook these things when we're talking about our athletes. 
if an athlete has a sprained ankle or a bad knee or, or or hamstring or whatever, okay, coach sees that, sees the bandage, and, and gives the athlete a break. But if the athlete has just had a mental health day or needed a mental health day because, uh, you know, they may have experienced uh, a traumatic experience uh, with one of their friends over the weekend, so now – you know, he's not really feeling playing this game right now, but the coach be suck it up, you know, let's get on out here, let's go. How important is mental health uh, when we're talking about our young athletes? Because we can only go back and look at the two most recent cases, uh, Simone Byers and um, Naomi Osaka, and, and yep. think about those two young ladies. And let's talk a little bit about that real quick. Well, you know, that, that's a, it, it, is, it is a – very timely, very topical conversation. Um, and I think the, the takeaway, if nothing else, from Simone Biles and from uh, Osaka is that coaches today, parents for sure, because parents always worry about their kids and their mental health, but coaches more than ever are now going to be faced with the fact that if a kid is not doing well, for some reason, not performing up to their potential. If it looks like the kids are not giving 100%, it's going to be upon the coach to go to the youngster and say, are you okay? Is there something about your mental health that's holding you back? And then if the kid has the guts, the courage to say to the coach, yeah, I, I'm something's bothering me uh, from school or something's bothering me at home, then the coach then has to respect the youngster and may mean that the kid's not going to play that day or play for several days or whatever it might be. Uh, and if the kid is the best player on the team, that's going to cause some, some real concern. But, you know, there's going to have to be those issues now with, with uh, you know, about dealing the right thing in terms of, um, of mental health and giving the kid a chance to, to take a breather. Now, that MH, that never, ever, ever happened uh, when I was a kid. Uh, growing up in high school and college or pro ball, and I, I gather it probably didn't happen to you either, but we we live in different times now, and and that's exactly it's it, it, it's a good thing, it's a good thing, but uh, you know um, the reality that's how it's going to be from this point on, and it's if if you're a coach and you don't respond to that, well you'll be out of a job pretty soon because they're going to say this coach isn't responsive to to my athletes who have have some mental health issues, simple as that. You know, and that's so vitally important. Go ahead, Miss Cleveland. You, you wanted to jump in there? I was going to say, I, I don't know that coaches are receptive to mental health issues. Um, I, I will just being transparent, I have a consulting firm where I work with athletes, sports moms and their families. And what I overwhelmingly find is that the the approach is well you have to do what's best for you however the way that it in the context or the way that it's positioned to a lot of the athletes that I work with is yeah you do what's best but that doesn't mean that you're going to have a spot and so very seldom even in today's world where everyone says we're going to be super super um, mindful of mental health and we're going to do the right thing by our kids I find overwhelmingly that people don't do the right thing by their athletes especially if those athletes are needed for them to get the win or to advance. 
I, I, I have a different experience with coaches who say one thing and then in practice or behind the scenes when they're meeting with athletes, definitely different. Well, I want to start off. Rick, let, let me start off answering that real quick. Go, now I want you sure, to chime ahead, in on that. You know, that's where we as sports parents have to step up. No one's making a decision for my child other than me or him or, or them, my son or daughter. You know, no one's making that decision. And, and if a coach decides that, well, uh, you know, that's going to jeopardize your playing career or, or whatever, then okay, fine and dandy. We can move on to another, uh, another venue. Or we don't have to play because at the end of the day, at the end of the day, whatever is in the best interest of that child is the most important thing there, not whether or not the coach is able to get a couple more W's over in that left column compared to what he's going to get in the right column. That's all I'm going to say. Go ahead, go ahead Rick. No, I, I, I 100% agree with you. Uh, and let's, let's bear in mind, though, that this, this sea change uh, with Osaka and Biles, I mean, this is, this is really going to have a direct and very quick impact on coaches. They're going to have to adapt because if, a, if, a, if the star quarterback tells his coach in front of the big game of the year and says, Coach, I'm, I, I just, I'm not at my full speed today. I just can't focus. I'm not, my mind is elsewhere on other issues at home. The coach is going to not want to hear that, but the coach is going to have to abide by that kid's wishes and say, okay, uh, we'll get the, the next quarterback, the second string guy, to come up and play. It, the coaches aren't going to like this because coaches are competitive people and they want to win and so on and so forth. But uh, in this day and age, uh, you cannot ask, if you're a coach, tell or, or, or coerce a kid to say, come on now, suck it up. You're the best we got. The, the, team's re- the team is counting on you. I'm counting on you. That's just not going to happen anymore because you're putting the kid in a very awkward psychological delicate balance the kid feels that uh, he or she can't perform at their best and the coach said you have to play you're going to have problems and if that ever gets back uh, to an athletic director or whatever uh, the coach will be fired or, or god forbid the kid does something uh, to injure themselves uh, th- then the parents will be suing the, the coach so I, I do think this is going to have some real real immediate impact and it's going to change uh, the way coaches talk and interact with um, their players. You know, and, and I can only think of uh, some of the athletes that I interact with and their families. You know, some of these kids, they experience some traumatic things over the course of a weekend. Uh, just recently, uh, back-to-back weekends had element, not elementary, middle schoolers get shot and, and and then the next thing you know, you got a coach out here talking about, well, we got practice tomorrow. Hold on, coach. Everybody on the team knows the young man that just got shot. You're not going to take some time out for them while well, we got to go to Florida next weekend. I don't care about no Florida. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but, but that's, that's but the that's, reality of it. Go ahead. That's, go that's ahead, exactly Rick. what we're talking about. I mean, if you, we forget that. You know, particularly with, let's take basketball, for example. You know, these kids, a lot of these kids are very tall at an early age. And sometimes we as parents or coaches, when we see a kid who's six, you know, six foot or six three, but they're only, you know, 10 or 11 years old, 
we just naturally assume that they're, they're mature beyond their years. But they're still just kids. And, you know, kids are absolutely terrified, as you said, M.H., if they, you know, somebody just got shot and the coach is saying, well, we've got to move on now. We've got a big game next week for Florida. Kids need time to, to, to regroup and to find out and, you know, sit down with their parents and say, what does this mean that why would somebody get shot or hurt or so on and so forth? This is, this is basically coping with life 101 and where you got to put sports, you know, in, into the background to understand that kids' mental health is, is okay, you know? Exactly, exactly. Did, did, did you have something else that you wanted to add, Ms. Cleveland? In this regards, in this conversation, no. Um, I just wanted to get your feedback. But in terms of mental health, I hear what you're saying, and I am definitely optimistic for the future. I just simply find that is not um, – people are not as receptive as we like them to be. But, again, very optimistic that as we have more athletes come out saying, hey, this is important to us, um, that we'll, we'll see people change their behavior. Well, I, well, I mean, I'll give you an example. I mean, and I, I think it's going to change. I mean, uh, just uh, in the basketball world, I mean, no, everybody agrees that Ky- Kyrie Irving is one of the most gifted basketball players in the world. But if you followed the the season, last season with the, the, the Brooklyn Nets and Kyrie Irving, he had lots of times when he said, basically, I, I'm not ready to play. Now, he didn't go into detail as to why he was not going to, he was going to take some time off and missed several games at a, at a stretch. But clearly there was something bothering him about they had to focus on his mental health. And, and you know, he was basically sort of uh, a pioneer saying, I will play, but only when I'm ready to play and I feel I'm up to it. And, and MH, maybe you or your son have, have greater insight into this, but it was, it, it was, you know, as a fan of the NBA and I'm watching, you know, Kyrie Irving, well, he's not playing the next couple of weeks. I mean, it's just, that's how it is. And that's, that's, you're going to find more situations like that going forward than the, we've ever seen before. It, you know, and, and that's so true, so true, because these athletes experience things and folks look at them as to say, well, you're an athlete, get over it. No, they're experiencing some of the same things that's happening in everyday life, to include the pressures of having to come out and, and perform at a maximum at a super high level each and every night that they're out there on the floor. But yet and still, they may have experienced some of the same traumatic things, just like I spoke about a few minutes ago. Mm-hmm. It's, it's mm-hmm. real. It's real. And, and that's why I want to uh, talk about putting together a forum just to talk about um, uh, mental health and, and some of these uh, social injustice issues and understanding the the, the the impact that it has on these athletes. You know, we could talk about it every day, all day long, how it affects everyday society, but it has a greater impact on your athletes because oftentimes your athlete, whether or not it's high school, college, or professional, these students are looked at, or these children, should I say, are looked at as leaders within their community. I haven't seen an athlete yet that's on a team that, you know, he stands out, holds a position, whatever, that's not looked at as a leader somewhere in that community just because he's able to juggle both sports and his academic side. Yep. 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 That's you very know, true. That's really, really true. 
Yes. You know, I heard some, I heard I heard someone say uh one time before, you know, athletes are, are unique. And, and and they are the geniuses that we don't recognize. Because an athlete can go out there and do something on the court or on the field or, or out there on the diamond that an everyday student can't do. <laughs> you know, an athlete can perform at that high level out there in their playing environment and then turn around and perform at a high level right there in the classroom. Mm-hmm. Many students, you know, they focus on yep. performing at a high level in the classroom and miss out on being able to perform or can't perform because never have, have had that type of exposure or experience, can't perform on the field, on the diamond, on the court, wherever. So athletes are really and truly unique and we don't give them enough credit. Uh, I I totally agree with you in that. I'm sorry. I I totally agree with you in that they need a space because you are so right in saying that they're unique. Oftentimes athletes at all levels, whether it's middle school, high school, college, or even elementary school, um, they are asked to put the emotions of an entire community on their back. If something goes wrong in the community, like, for example, all of this stuff that happened with George Floyd last year, it was athletics to actually change things in our country and bring things together. And so that's a great example of how we expect athletes to do way more than the average person, but we don't oftentimes give them a place where they can have a conversation and say, I'm not okay. I need help, too. And so I think that your your quest, your or whatever organization we build to help them have a place um, to come and talk about their mental health, I think it's vital and it's necessary and it's something that we can't put off because they're oftentimes, again, expected to perform for entire communities, and that's difficult. All right. Did, did you have something you wanted to add to that, Rick? No, I mean, I, I certainly uh, feel that, as I said, that, or, you know, some time ago uh, in a broadcast that, that uh, I do think we're undergoing or witnessing tremendous, tremendous changes uh, when it comes to, to sports parenting and, and uh, amateur athletics. It's all changing, and I think changing in a good way, uh, and it's going to be incumbent upon coaches to – more than ever to be responsive to the to the athletes and and to listen to the athletes have to offer and um, yeah that's all good. Well, you know, and and it, as you see, folks, these conversations can go on and on and on and on and and very 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 different direction each and every time that we bring one of them up, and it all depends on what your experience your level of understanding your background is uh, to say whether or not, you know, hey, you understand the value of adding in the sports parent as a positive piece uh, to ensure that there is some solid advocacy for our athletes, or you're just a guy on the outside that is looking with your hand out trying to pull everybody else in different directions so you can figure out how you're going to best benefit Great. Give us something in closing on how folks can reach out to you or uh, follow you or, uh, you know, even uh, attend some of your speaking engagements. Well, you know, I, um, 
first of all, thank you for, for having me on, MH. Obviously, you and I share a lot of the same concerns and issues and passions when it comes to this topic. Uh, my radio show, as you mentioned, is on Sunday mornings from 8 to 9 on WFAN uh, radio. Uh, it's the flagship sports radio station of the CBS network. Uh, the show is done live. Uh, it's a call-in show. And, of course, people can always, uh, you know, check out my website at AskCoachWolf.com. Or they can follow me on Twitter at the hashtag AskCoachWolf. Speaking events right now are just limited because, obviously, with COVID is still hanging around. Uh, it's not a good time for me to go to, to various uh, places to speak. But hopefully that will change as we get deeper into uh, the, the fall and the winter. And hopefully COVID finally gets under, under control. But anyway, thank you again for having me on today, MH. It just, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's great fun to have a chance to catch up with you. Hey, sir, likewise, likewise. Anytime uh, you're welcome here on the Parents Culture Parents Network show. And, you know, we always keep the door open for those great folks that like to bring some positive energy to the show. We appreciate you. We're going to continue to follow you and, and stay tuned and, and, and see what next week's show is going to be about. We're going to be right on that one as well. And you have a great okay. day, sir, and we thank you again. Thanks, MH. Be well. Take care. Likewise. Well, folks, we've been talking with uh, Coach Rick Wolf, and we had a, a special pop-in from uh, my friend, uh, Ms. James, out of Cleveland, the sports mom university herself. And uh, I think we got some things or some work that we need to do. What do you think, Ms. Cleveland? I really do think we have a lot of work to do. It's helping parents understand that they can be advocates for their children, no matter how old they are and then creating places for athletes so they can understand that they do have they they do have people who are in their corner um and they don't have to perform mental health is a really big deal so i'm really excited that you brought this topic up and this has been a couple of weeks now that you're you're consistently talking about athlete mental health and that's wonderful i love to hear it well you, you know I, I don't know how much you know about uh coach wolf that just uh was just on with us. He is a sports psychologist. That is his uh, his background, uh, a degree from Harvard, and so he's been around the field for a number of years, and he can uh, break some things down for us. That's how he actually got involved in talking about the sports parenting piece, uh, based upon his degree and understanding him as a sports parent himself, and uh, realizing that there were some things going on out there that needed to be addressed. And this he started out talking about. Um, you know, the crazy sports parents and then realized that there was a whole lot of other missing pieces. That's why he had a lot of the crazy sports parents. But I, I think he's going to be an added plus to our conversation when we pull that conversation together as far as uh, mental health piece. Um, anything else that you want to add before we close out? I would say backing up from the name, image, and likeness perspective, um, I just want to make it absolutely clear to your listeners that a coach cannot use contracts from name, image, and likeness as an inducement um, to woo high school athletes to come to their universities, um, nor can no, no, no. universities broker, broker deals. I just want to make sure that's clear. Uh, I, I... I understand that. You understand that. Rick understands that. 
But but here's here's the situation. Okay, say for example, the University of Alabama uh, just inked the deal for their players, their football team just inked the deal for their players. Don't you believe that that will be part of mainstream media, national news? Well, there's the thing. They can't ink a deal for their players. Now, they can do something like what the University of Miami did, which is which is their players were made available. And so there's a group of gyms. I can't remember the name of the gym. But the gym yeah. said, hey, we're going to play – we're going to pay every single player five hundred dollars. Exactly. So can they make that exactly. known? Yes, but but they cannot broker the deal. Now, if you're wise as a parent, one of the things you should be looking at is what. And I take and I tell parents take this with a grain of salt. Some people are going to say, "Hey, what's the market where my kid is going?" Um, and that's something you can look at. However. Every athlete can be a hometown hero, and to make significant dollars, you really don't need to be in a large market. And I, my fear yeah. is that a lot of a lot of people don't understand that piece. Now, now, now here's a question for you, and then I'm going to close out this here particular segment. Here's a question for you that Rick and I had discussed, I think, before you joined us. Um, you have a high school, high school athlete just finishes last part of his season. Um, a local merchant wants him to be a uh, spokesperson for his particular business, whether or not it's a car dealership, whether or not it's a store that sells rims and tires or whatever. The local merchant wants him to, back in his hometown, wants him to be a spokesperson for uh, this particular business. He's not really considered a high school athlete no more because he has never played another high school game. He hasn't actually signed with an institution yet, so where is that student? From my understanding, that area, they're considered prospective college athletes. And so I would tell everyone up front, check your state law. Um, See what your state law has on the books. Um, Uh And then following that, Double-check your high school association because some high school associations will allow their athletes to begin to make money right now. Um, others will not. Um, and then make sure that whatever deal that you're being offered, if if there's nothing against your state law, your high school athletic association is fine. Um, the third thing you want to check is, is there a conflict between your prospective university and the business that's offering you the deal, if there is no conflict, then they are free to earn dollars. Yeah, okay, okay. But, but, but see, that that's the whole question right there. You have all these what-ifs, what-ifs in there that, that comes into play. And uh, just like I, I share with Rick, and, and then I'm going to let you go because I think we're already two or three minutes into overtime. Um, but... Uh, I was talking with a host from a local high school sports talk show who knew absolutely nothing about NIL, absolutely nothing about (sighs) NCAA versus Austin. I was floored. I was like, how? 
and you're talking high school sports, and you're talking about these kids going away, going to college, and you're talking about, but you, you, you'll bring on a, 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 a high school guy, a, a guy that just picked up a high school coaching position. You'll bring on uh, somebody to talk about Lottie Dottie and everybody else, but you know nothing about name, image, and likeness that you can share with your listening audience. You know nothing about NCAA versus Austin. You're doing the high school sports of this service. Yeah, so. and potentially giving them in completely incorrect information. You're absolutely right, Mike. You're spot on. Exactly. You're definitely doing exactly. the actual audience a disservice. And, 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 yeah, he said, hey, I said, well, I'd like to invite you to, to uh, you know, moderate, since you like to talk, and moderate a panel discussion where we talk about name members you like to, where we talk about uh, educational benefits and you may learn something by moderating that uh, discussion. Even if you just be ask some canned questions that I'll give you myself, and, and you sit there and listen to the answers, you know, you may learn something. You know what he said? Well, I don't think I'm qualified to do that. You got a radio show on ESPN for, uh, uh, 94.1 that you talk on every every Saturday after a Saturday morning, and you can't moderate a panel discussion. Interesting. But anyway, I digress. Hey, uh, young lady, it's been fun talking to you. We, we need to get off my, the show here. And if you want to talk and want to chit-chat, uh, I'll give you a call shortly after I conclude this here show. Uh, please do, because I, oh, I, our Thursday, um, I digress. But, yes, please do. Yep. It was always, yes, it's always a pleasure yes. learning. Every week I learn something new. All right. I'll talk to you shortly. Have a good one. Take us away, Keith. Okay, bye. Scholarships, help us help you and elevate. Parents coaching, parents network. Know the game. Check out Parents Coaching Parents Network on blogtalkradio.com slash parents coaching parents.